Hey, everybody, on this episode of the Designated Survivor After Show, Tom Kirkman gets a little bit closer to the truth, and we have the man possibly behind the evil plot, at least one that's being framed for it, Majid Nassar, in studio. That's right, Nick Masu is right here talking to us all about Designated Survivor and his career next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. There you go. Look at that. Woo! Michael Klaus just scrubbing that scrubbing that I, iPhone, man. Yeah, I'm scrubbing. I'm putting out an Instagram story. Millennials. Look at that. all this social media stuff that we now so have to do, up, which is great. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Designated Survivor After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. We're breaking down, of course, Episode 9, The Blueprint from Season 1. A lot of cool things happening in this episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Christine Alexis. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Christine Beam. What's up, everyone? How are we doing this evening? You can find me on Instagram at the only MC, even to see that story that I just tweeted or posted. Uh, all the social medias run together. Twitter, though, at Michael Klaus TV. Hey, guys, I'm Renee Ariel. You can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Renee Ariel. And check out my blog, catslipstickla.com. I just put up a new article, How to Get Over Someone in 15 Easy Sticks. And folks, you can like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Michael's got his, his iPad up there ready and running, he's got the chat running, so if you want to comment about the series in general, or this episode in particular, hop on, share your thoughts. But ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce the man who's sharing the hour with us here. Uh, you may know him for such things as Documentary Now, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, uh, Ray Donovan, but he's, uh, for Designated Survivor, plays the most wanted, the most feared man in America, is responsible, uh, supposedly, for bombing the Capitol building, Majid Nassar. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for Nick Masu. Welcome to AfterBuzz. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Glad to be here. This is going to be like your confirmation hearing right now. We're <laughs> attacking you. Well, uh, look, let me you. tell you. <laughs> At the end, we all, as well as the people in the live chat, are going to vote, and you'll have to decide your fate. That's right. If you're going to be uh, the next vice president of the United States. <laughs> well, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I'm not really dead. Uh, when they flew me away in that helicopter, it was uh, it was to get uh, uh, some, uh, I, uh, I don't even know what I'm, what it, what it was. You're good. I'm trying to think of something here that is going to be funny and interesting. No, they flew me to the White House. I'm, I'm staying in the East Wing. Yeah. The Lincoln bedroom? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good yes. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- thoughts on the show. You know, obviously, when you to have a character on the show, you're wondering what your actual thoughts are. I'm sure you're watching it like everyone else every week. What are your thoughts on the show, thoughts on your character, and how it's being portrayed? Well, I, uh, what I love is that uh, they say my character name more often than I think I actually had screen time. <laughs> it feels like every other line is uh, Majid Nassar. Majid Nassar. Uh, I love it's a the, fun name. It's a great name. It's yeah. a great name. <laughs> uh, no, I love the show. Uh, I think each week uh, it gets a little more interesting. Um, Catalan is just uh, uh, a mystery, but mm-hmm. we're, we're learning who this guy is. I got to say, that was one of my favorite moments was when I got to say Catalan. <laughs> because it was, it was, they put the pressure on me. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, mm-hmm. 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 And then suddenly, I just had to go, Catalan. <laughs> did, 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 were you wondering how to pronounce it? Catalan? Catalan? Did, did you really have to get a pronunciation description? Yeah, a pronunciation plus with the accent, which mm. turned it into uh, Catalan. 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 
Good That's time. fun. So when you get this role, how much of it is just uh, the way you decided to portray it from the script, or did you do any kind of research in kind of you know uh, well well known terrorists and stuff? Google Google terrorists. Google terrorists. Yes. Well, I got to tell you, uh, when you look like I do in Hollywood, uh, this isn't my first terrorist rodeo. Um, <laughs> I've, I've gone down that road before, so uh, I know a lot about. I've learned how to to play these types of roles. Um, no, really, u- ultimately, doing this type of stuff for me is about trying to find a uh, some sort of emotional truth within the bad guy, and not just be a bad guy, because uh, that's what I think is going to separate you from somebody else getting the role they want a little more emotional depth the scene that they first had me audition was the interrogation scene oh uh, but it was written differently and it was it was uh, uh at the time it, to me it felt a lot more um complex like there was a little more motivation as to why he did what he did you know you hear the story of his his wife and kids who got blown up and uh, so I played that truth a lot more, and I tried to, and I showed that vulnerability in the character. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know if that's what got me the role or not. Didn't then, hurt. Didn't right? <laughs> I, I got it. Uh, and then when I'm on set, it was a lot more of like just, just, uh, just meaner. Can you just be a little meaner? <laughs> I don't want to see that vulnerable side. Just, just mean. This guy's tough. So it's just interesting how it goes from audition to when you finally film it. What was it like working on set? Obviously, uh, you know, a lot of big names in this, but it seemed like your scenes weren't necessarily with them. I mean, were you on set uh, with Jack Bauer? You, know, uh, you said everyone. No, <laughs> you know, I never I never got to meet Kiefer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, all, all my scenes were with uh, Maggie and mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. the other gentleman's name, but Jason Atwood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, but working with them was fantastic. They're complete pros. Um, they nail it every time, and it was, you know, really cool experience working with them. But awesome. But they split up uh, the filming of it. They have two teams of two film crews, so I never was on the film crew that was shooting Kiefer. Okay. So. And you said it was filming up in Toronto, which for your last scene where you have water being splashed on you, it was a couple of weeks ago in winter, and you're getting water splashed on you in Toronto. It Not was that, cold. Yeah. And I was on a metal slab oh, uh, God. in my skivvies. <laughs> And uh, I was literally shivering. Um, yeah, you can't tell on, on camera, but uh, I was shaking. And then the director came over and goes, oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> I was like, well, I was shivering. Did, you, did you see any of that? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it's great. It's great, great. Keep it up. It's like, okay. It is one thing to go watch back how they cut that scene and realize, man, I was there on that slab for so long. And that's, we get that one little shot of them, like, zipping me up and pouring some water. That's it? That's that it. was it? That's it. <laughs> how long were you on that slab? Uh, I th- I think about an hour, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For, they a, had a, for a they, clip that was five seconds. Yeah, they had a huge crane. I mean, this was in a big open airplane hangar. Mm-hmm. And they had a huge crane. So it happened so fast, but some of the coolness of the shots are like this crane swoops in, and then it comes above, and they you know, film all up and down the... But then they chop it up and they give you five seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, so. what is the secret to playing a dead body? At some point when you're doing a big sweeping crane shot like that, do they say, like, uh, somebody's screaming as the camera gets closer, all right, uh, next stop, breathing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, and, yep, hold your breath. Uh, here we go. Uh, but for this big shot, apparently it wasn't that uh, intense. Like, they couldn't, I don't think they could tell because I was doing a lot of shallow breaths. But for the other 
for my other dead episode. <laughs> uh, that was a lot more tight on me, and that was a, that was a lot harder. While I had like foam dripping out of my face, mm-hmm. and they're popping those um, big flash bulbs, and I'm supposed to not flinch or or not breathe. Um, not blank. Difficult. Not blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to try one with my eyes open on the dead. <laughs> it's hard to not blink. Oh man! But you—I mean, it seems certainly this episode. Obviously, your character is dead uh, as of last episode, but you're still very much talked about. It seemed yep. surprised by that. Are you wondering how much you'll be incorporated as far as like your namesake in the future episodes? I feel like they're not going to stop using my name. It's so <laughs> fun. Majid Nassar. Majid Nassar. It rolls off the tongue so nicely. I mean, they. I mean, gosh. Like, even those early episodes that I was in, I, that wasn't in much of the episode, but they talked about me the whole time. So it's this really <laughs> weird feeling that you feel like, oh, this is, this is a really big role. It's a very central character to the, to the storyline, uh, but you don't actually get to, to sit with me too much. It's a little, little disappointing. I'd like a little more, a little more time. Now, for a show that has a lot of conspiracy behind it, and especially with this plot about how uh, Majin Azar is taking credit for this, uh, for you, I mean, I'm sure the producers are still trying to figure out their arcs and what, whatever. Do they tell you any tidbits? Or no, that you, you, no. For any choices that you make are just based on what you think his re- reasons were for being forced to take the bill or take credit for this. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating because they they don't even let the series regulars know ahead of what the next episode is. Hmm. You know the the. A lot of the makeup department, the hair department, they get the scripts ahead of time. So you can sneak a peek at the upcoming script if they, if the, you know, they, they leave it out. They leave it out. out for you, you know. But, uh, um, yeah, no, they don't, they want to make sure that you don't know anything. And then the other kind of trippy part is, is they have a different director per episode. Mm. So the first time I did the, um, the, the episode where I'm doing the tape where I, I claim responsibility for the bombing of the Capitol building. That director, I was like, well, what is it, you know, what kind of, what do you think about the character? I could really do it very intense and mean, or I could do, have a little more vulnerability to it. And he's like, ah, try it a few different ways. I mean, this is my last episode, so I don't know <laughs> what the character's going. Uh, but uh, do it a couple different ways, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So, uh, and they, they choose it. Uh, you know, and then there's a producer you know, they're, that they're consistent and they're keeping an eye on things and they're very hands-on. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of an evolving process. The show is very serious in everything that they're showing. Is it it's serious and on the edge of your seat and thriller? Is it, was it serious on set filming? I mean, is that something that they try to put in the atmosphere that will reflect in the show? I mean, there's definitely a, a high level of professionalism on the set, uh, but everybody is incredibly nice and wonderful and very warm and very accommodating. And once it comes time to do the work, it's quiet, you know, and, and they really take care of the actors and give them the space to do the work. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, um, it, they do create a very comfortable atmosphere where people can joke, have fun, hang out. Hmm. Um, this, this is a funny experience. Uh, when I filmed the uh, um, the interrogation scene, uh, it was usually what they do is they cover the main actors before they do the guest actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because they don't want them to ever rush for time at the end 
for the main actors, but the guest actors, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we, we can rush them. So anyways, it's like th- three in the morning. We've been filming all day. Everybody wants to go home. And they finally turn the camera around for my close-up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we find out that there's a guest coming to set to hang out and watch. And next thing I know, Lenny Kravitz walks in. <laughs> what? And they put, Lenny Kravitz is a good friend of Maggie Q's. And he was in town on tour. Really? And he wanted to stop by and say hello. And uh, and suddenly he and I love Lenny Kravitz. I am a big <laughs> Lenny Kravitz fan. Ever since I was a little kid. And next thing I know, there he is sitting at the, in Video Village, watching my close up. Um, a little extra pressure. It was a little, it was a little extra pressure. <laughs> Did you get a picture? No, no, I didn't want to be okay. that guy. Didn't want to, yeah. yeah I didn't want it's to be totally that understandable. Guy. But I did. I did. We, you, Maggie introduced us mm-hmm. and say hi. That's, that's but awesome. weird, weird encounters you think you're going to have at 3 a.m. in Toronto. Like, oh, I'm just going to meet Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. yeah, that's that's normal, right? Yeah, sure. just, yeah, just, he literally was my childhood idol. I mean, I wanted to be Lenny. I loved uh, his early albums. Uh, I wanted the dreadlocks, the piercings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lenny, to me, epitomizes cool. I just, yeah, he sure know. does. <laughs> I saw him one day pumping gas, and he was wearing... Uh, a fringe jacket and moccasins, and he made it look so good. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. He can pull off anything. Yeah. Do you yeah. hold your cool while you're talking to him, or do you kind of geek out a little bit? I geeked a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, as my, I, you know, I went and just said, you know, I, I had to tell him how much, because I never spoke to him at the gas station. I regretted it, and now here I had an opportunity. <laughs> so I had to tell him, hey, I love your work, and, and from the beginning, from Let Love Rule on, um, I'm a big fan. And he was nice, and he said, hey, I love your work, too. I've been watching it on the screen. So, Awesome. Nice. Uh, that yeah. has to be you know mean a lot to that he actually is a fan of the show and watches and obviously knows who you are and your character in the show. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, well, a lot to break down. This. Thoughts on this episode in general. I loved it. Did you guys feel the same way? We, we actually had some stuff happen. I was, I'm so excited. Uh, we, yeah, the stuff was revealed. As always with the show about conspiracies, it's always uh, like two steps forward, three steps back, sort of, where you, things are kind of revealed, but then uh, they always stop yeah. at that crucial moment, which I guess we'll get into a little bit. There's uh, Tom Kirkman and some of his choices that he decides to make. Like He decides, like, hey, uh, well, we'll get into that. I don't want to spoil that. But we start off the episode, of course, in the NSA. We see Gabriel Thompson. Uh, doing a nice little like his little Mission Impossible mo- Mission Im- Mission Impossible moment, uh, downloading some data, you know, taking out the little hard drive, putting it in a quarter, taking off and escaping the NSA. There was a lot of uh, details that he's going to. Did start- you think he was going to be good or bad throughout the episode? Uh, they paint him right away as stealing information. Did you think he was going to be good or bad? Yeah, it's tough to say. I, you know, I don't know. It's always uh, he, he didn't seem very malicious in in the stuff. They, yeah. Especially when uh, Aaron and everybody in the uh, the Oval Office are saying, "Well, none of the it's really no big consequence or blowback on us." All the information that he's releasing. So, at least initially, it didn't seem like he's a major threat. You, Michael, you seem to. Um, I would say I I, I didn't think he was going to be bad. I thought he was going to be good. Just the way he seemed really clean cut, his calm demeanor. He's a little heavier, so he's lovable. I mean, okay. Let's be right. let's be honest. You know, the look of him is certainly not someone who you're like, oh, kind of sketchy. Like, what? Uh, what's his name? Who runs WikiLeaks? He looks like he could be a sketchy dude. It's tall, Julian like, Assange. Yeah, Julian, I mean, the look of him is like, oh yeah, I could see you being a bad guy. This guy. <laughs> he looked like, well, I mean, he's an uncle. <laughs> so I, you know, 
I I didn't see to the point though, which I loved at, at the end when Kirkman said, you know, I did some digging and found out that your your the stepdaughter mm-hmm. died. Like I did not see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ladies? Um, I enjoyed that moment too. I felt like it just filled in a little of the blanks with us. Mm-hmm. Like Kirkman's always mm-hmm. trying to play catch up and why did this person do this and mm-hmm. what's the motives? He actually <laughs> did a little digging first before entering that conversation and I think that put him in a good spot not to be manipulated or, you know, lied to. So Yeah. That was good. When we were originally introduced to him or really just saw him, I was thinking, well, it's just going to be a bigger story. I didn't know whether, I didn't even think like the importance was on like whether he'd be good or bad. I just knew it was going to be a bigger story mm-hmm. that was going to have some kind of twist because it is a pattern in the show. So my focus wasn't even like, is he good, is he bad? I was just like, where are they going with this? Like yeah. that was my original thought when I saw it. Well, my my thing that was irritating at the end is where he uh, basically the whole gist of this is that he's released this information to try to get five minutes with the president. That's his deal. So uh, Aaron sets it up for him, and he goes to the White House, uh, put in handcuffs right away, and goes to meet mm-hmm. Kirkman. And then all of a sudden, one of the Secret Service guys leaves in and goes, oh, transport's here. And they, they just take him away like, yes. you are the president. If you yeah. don't want this guy to go, he's not going to go anywhere. You can just sit yeah. here and keep this conversation going on for a while. Yeah, and you go through the middleman of him saying, oh, it's, a, it's this letter, number, look up this specific <laughs> thing on this disc. Well, why don't you just tell me what's on there? What? Why are you being let out? Tell me. Don't have your secret. As you pointed out, hey, I appreciate it. Let's give it to the Secret Service agent. Like, he knows what to do. Apparently he did. He's got 12 years of IT. Yes. Who knew? I think it's good parenting advice, too, to Leo. Like, he's just a jack of all trades. Yeah, that's right. He's amazing. Uh, And apparently Kirkman didn't know, but, but knew. Like, he knew to give it to him. But didn't know he had 12 years of IT service. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh, wait. I was smart giving you this change. <laughs> you know. Surprise. Uh, but you, you have to think he's going to get pardoned. Well, it, it, uh, Whether they actually show it or not. Yeah, maybe somewhere he down He did something good. Yeah, it was one of those, like, maybe, maybe by the end of his term. He's yeah. like, uh, whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll throw those like last little pardons in at the end. Well, especially I doubt w- they'll even show it again or bring it up again. The season? I don't think so. No. But no, is that, is that no, actor a no, uh, recognizable actor, though? It, the guy? He's the guy. Been, I feel like I've, I've seen yeah, he looks... He's a, a good supporting character guy mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen him around before, but I can't... I feel like I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. I feel I, like... I think he was in The Killing. He may have been in The Killing. It's like the I feel like The Killing. I don't remember him in it, though. Well, it could be The Killing. It could be, it could be a Canadian actor. Well, no, Killing was, was shot in Seattle, wasn't it? Not Vancouver. Yeah. No, no, it was shot in Vancouver. Ooh, Vancouver. Vancouver. But it was took place in Seattle. That's a good Canadian actors kind of run the gambit in all the shows that are filmed in Canada. You start to see them doing on different different shows. It's just that's true, eh? Uh, now we do find out that I think the biggest piece of the information. Thank you, yes. Michael. That's oh, right. Good joke, Michael. That the information, especially the file that uh, uh, Thompson didn't want uh, uh, Kirkman to be sharing with anybody that he didn't trust. Uh, was that there was a uh, the, the, they war gamed out the detonation of the mm-hmm. Capitol building back in 2013, which is not a a bad thing. I mean, you're staying one step ahead. I hope people are not looking at that and be like, no. how could our government do that? A plan no, that's a- well, you have to be prepared. Yeah, I think it's just a question of leaking that out to yeah, somebody. Yeah, that's absolutely. The, that's, that's the, part that's the not thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I just, so many parts about this episode. I mean, from all that of actually, you know, getting somewhere with Thompson. In this show, we're just so used to the fact that they bring up information and don't finish it. Yeah. Yes. That's a, and 
It's so frustrating, and I'm so happy. I, I, I wasn't frustrated this episode. It was satisfying to see it come full circle. In, in, in and multiple ways. Yes. I'm giddy. Yeah, Everyone can tell. Someone commented that on, like, a, uh, someone said a happy something on here. They're like, Klaus is a happy bunny tonight. And I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> For the first time in a while at this show, well done. Well, I feel like this whole season we've been building up to try to get uh, Maggie Q and uh, Kiefer Sutherland in the same room together. Yes. And I'm hoping yeah, by the winter finale we can actually see them at least maybe meet cute in the Oval Office for mm-hmm. a second. <laughs> she, yeah. She's going to show up bloody in the hospital. Like, <laughs> oh, no, wait. She that, doesn't even need to go to the hospital. Chick, she was running around out. in those... Yeah, yeah. Those. yeah. Look, she's Maggie Q, all she's right? She's right. She's going to find a way to she make her Wasn't she La Femme Nikita? Yeah, she's really tough. <laughs> oh, man. That's another big storyline. Let's talk about the, the cool crime-fighting duo, uh, Chuck and Hannah. <laughs> Look at them, man. Kicking butt. Chuck's stepping up this episode. He's like a James Bond Q. Yes. I like Chuck's character. I like him. He's well. great. I like him too. He's fun. He's, He's very likable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, he, and of course, then we also have Reed Diamond. He's from the Office of Professional Responsibility. And anytime Reed Diamond shows up, I'm always expecting him to be the bad guy. He, he's always, he always is, he has that look. <laughs> he's just always like, he, he looks nice, but he's look. always like, he's really, he's just like all business. He's willing to do what it takes. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was waiting for this episode for him to do his little evil turn. It didn't happen though. So perhaps this is the one, uh, one series Reed Diamond is not the bad guy. He, yeah, and uh, oh, excuse me, sorry. Oh, it's it's eleven thirty-eight. Oh, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> I was up at seven. How you really feel? I was up at seven a.m. today. We're still rolling along. No, they certainly they paint him maybe initially as a bad guy, but then come full circle if he went to in the same school as Atwood and seems to have that working relationship with uh, Hannah from a previous gig that she was on mm-hmm. uh, a job, and so I think he's going to be good. I mean, yeah, I think he's just doing his job. I mean, I feel like anybody that works like in an internal affairs capacity is always kind of looked down upon by the people that are actually out there, like you know, walking the streets and doing the doing the the, the real work. And they was like, oh, well, you guys are always you're trying to bust us when we're trying to get stop the bad guys. He's a man of principle. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right, principle. But he had an opportunity to not sell out his his, his buddy, and he he didn't take it when he was asked. That, you know him? Is he the kind of guy who would do this? He's like, well. I, yeah, that was a super I mean, yeah. answer. Way to step up for your boy. That's yeah. right. I've I'm, seen a lot of things. I'm a little surprised. I would say the thing that surprised me a little about the show is Kirkman is how he feels about certain characters is not maybe how I would think. His feelings on McLeish, his feelings on Atwood, um, his feelings on. Uh, someone else, I forget where he he has like judgment calls on people, and that is something that I think they're trying to stress in this show is his personal view of things, and, and not always looking at the evidence, but looking at the people. And yeah. I think that's something that he does, and it's shown in that scene where he just doesn't he he wants to believe that Atwood is a good person, yeah, like himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely see that a lot. Well, he does have that account where he's talking to his wife and he says, why are so many people that are wanting to do this uh, public service and serve their country uh, mm-hmm. faithfully all of a sudden are turning crazy? Yeah. What's going on with all these people? And there's a fly in the what? studio. Look at that. <laughs> Renee's uh, enraptured by this fly. Small <laughs> flash of light. Uh, so Hannah's investigation with Chuck is also kind of intercut with uh, McLeish's confirmation hearing as well. So the whole idea is trying to figure out what the 1114 was that she was told about last episode. Which they threw in right at the beginning of, hey, by the way, he was already confirmed by the Senate. And I actually paused it and said, yeah. did we miss something that it was uh, it was a jump right away? Well, I think it might have been that Congress is being confirmed. You know, like they've been yeah. trying to get Congress going again. 
Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know, but that's that's what that's when I first heard confirmation. That's where my brain went. Well, no, it, yeah. well, it was said though because the one senator who they brought in said that I rushed McLeese through for you. Yeah. So I think they they rushed the confirmation hearing. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't think it's a lock, but it, they they rushed that confirmation hearing. Okay. For, yeah, he was because you have to be approved by both. Um, and obviously they just wanted to focus on the house and, and Hook Stratton, but I was surprised that it happened that soon, and still that. Hannah has not said anything. I mean, that's been another uh, frustrating. Look, she doesn't know who she can trust. She right. does. That's true. But it's a, in it's the a real catch twenty two. McLeish just gets to like say whatever he wants and whisper in Kirkman's ear. <laughs> oh, I like, know. It's just ridiculous. He's like, I think Hannah's obsessed with me. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like if she says anything like conspiracy like, theory is crazy. <laughs> like he's getting that to. I don't think. I, I think Kirkman knows what's up though. Oh I, yeah, he's he was staring at his hands when he was going like this and answering yes. the questions. And when, <laughs> even when he kept saying more and more, he's like, okay, I'll look into it. Like, I, I just felt from the way he was acting out that scene, like, he's not an idiot. He has Fingers to know crossed. that there's something the behind that. Whether or not he knows McLeish is full-on, you know, evil or involved, he knows that he's being dishonest at the very mm-hmm. least. I hope so. It we, really didn't I mean, seem that way. Yeah, I mean, I think we're past the point now of just, oh, maybe that's a coincidence. Like, there's something <laughs> going on. Like, Ivan we, says that Kirkman is looking dumb to not be suspicious of them. Them yeah. as in McLeish? I would think so. Yeah. Hopefully this winter finale will start yeah, raising Kirkman's uh, suspicions towards people. I want him to be more suspicious, but like inwardly suspicious. Because I feel like sometimes he doesn't gauge the right moments when to let on how much he knows and maybe to, when to put yeah. on a poker face. I think in this situation he needs to be delicate about handling McLeish mm-hmm. and revealing what he knows. His yeah, like the Jason thing when Jason wasn't delicate exactly. about it. I really... Mm-hmm. He I, has I to know. Tactful. Because if... If someone comes up to you and they're like, man, you know, wow, that guy, he's, like, obsessed with me. If he says anything about, like, me cheating, haha, <laughs> like, he's crazy. <laughs> That's, like, the same vibe. You wouldn't be like, man, that other person must be crazy. You're like, what's up with this other person? So you'd hope in this situation it would be the same thing. His, with the- his theory of trusting people is good and bad. Yeah, obviously, it's good for Atwood, I would say. But it's bad for McLeish. You, you see the best in people and you mm-hmm. want to believe the best. And I think that's also interesting uh, of, you know, it going both ways is something that I noticed this episode of Hookstratton. It's good and bad that she hates both uh, McLeish and Kirkman. That she doesn't, she doesn't, she hates everyone in power. Yeah, because well, they're given to it uh, without earning it. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but, but it's good and it's bad because, like, her hate for both of them is good that she hates McLeish. Yeah, but she also. But hates you Kirkman you hate him. Kirkman and you need to work with Kirkman, so it's a good. It, it really yeah. it's like a uh, divisive. Hate. Like yeah. she's just pushing everyone away. That's in her path, I think. I, I think like it's a selfish thing. I feel like she's a bit of a so. flip flopper. I don't know because if you guys track back, didn't she? Some of the episodes, she was like, all right, I'm cool with you. And the next yeah. episode, she's like, nah, <laughs> She's nah. playing the game. Yeah. She's definitely, She knows yeah. how to play the game, she's for sure. She's definitely playing the game. Wait till, yeah, so she's always telling, you know, wait till they have a re, you know, re-election. Then, then I'm coming. Then, then I'm, I'm running. Coming. Then I'm yeah. running. She I'll really stressed that at the beginning of the episode in the background on the TV, too, of saying, I'm the highest elected official. Yeah. Well, she's just trying to rain on Kirkman's parade, unfortunately. Yep. As yeah. many of them do. That in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as we knew, as soon as Hannah said, like, oh, I've got that information, and I'll tell you as soon as I see you, like, we know she's not getting there. Not this episode, at least. No. Oh, well. Goodbye. Goodbye, Maggie Q. <laughs> at least for right now. <laughs> she's no. not gone. She's not. Well, who knows? She, no. do, you, know. do you think she'll be back next episode or after the winter finale? 
No, she's oh, back no. next episode. Oh, we saw. Yeah, you didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. She's running around with blood. She's a survivor. They'll probably end right when she's able to say something, and then she'll be like, Kirkman. Boom! Yeah. My question is, is, what took Catalan so long? I mean, it was two episodes that he had, he saw her yes. with Jason Atwood. That's true. With the yes. Sniper, and he's just letting her run around. I mean, if he's so badass, I mean, you know. And how is she not more suspicious? I thought that when she was, like, getting into her car a couple times of, like, you're not, like, checking to see if there's a bomb yeah, on your she, car. She met with her, like, connect in the coffee yeah. shop. Like, she's just running around, making moves, like, not mm-hmm. looking over her shoulder. Like, they could easily manipulate her and do the same thing they did with, to Atwood. Yeah. And she just... Well, no, because her man's dead. Yeah, she doesn't think oh. I'll lose anymore. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, she's still <laughs> acting reckless. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely acting reckless. I agree with that. She needs to check over her shoulder, make sure everything's good, so well, she doesn't get into a car accident. Or way. at least tell, look save left the day. when you're turning right, like you know, right, girl, or wherever she's turning. <laughs> Back to driving school. Go yeah. drive safe on the road. Uh, one last thing we'll talk about for this episode, though, a little love blossoming finally Ooh. in the yes. West Wing. Oh yeah. Uh, we see Emily and Aaron uh, finally start to make steps towards uh, a little smoochy smooch, as we'll see the, as we were teased for next episode. Mm-hmm. About time, guys? Are you like, all right, finally, it. let's do this? Oh, or do we even I wish care? it wasn't dinner. Like, I want it to be like, what, what did other you, what things? Did you, what did you... <laughs> like, I How want something to like I didn't happen. want it to be a classy dinner. I just wanted it to be... What was that? Just, just take me on your desk right now. Is that what you wanted, Renee? That's what yeah. you wanted. That's what I wanted. But they're like, no, let's get dinner. And then it's like, ABC. next episode. This is a family programming. <laughs> Anyways, no one else agrees. No one else wants Let's that. ask no, the live I, I'm with you. If you're going to have an unethical, inappropriate office oh, romance, okay, okay. Okay. do it. Thank you. Right? I've had sexual tension for so long, we're going to get, um, want to get dinner? Um, <laughs> no, where's the kiss? Where's the, like, something. Something, ABC. I think it's nice of the nail. It might have been too dramatic for them. All right, now get out of here. I'll see you later. We'll talk about this thing later. Uh, I am uh, for or against the relationship. I I, I have really no horse in this race. It's like, that's not an answer. For or against? I I really, I don't care. What would be the reason to be against it? Okay, for or against? For? For? I mean, I think they're just doing it because they need a, a romantic... They need a stress picture. reliever. Yeah. I uh, Look, I like the characters. I like the actors. If it's going to add an extra little color to the show, I'm for it. I was go. initially against. Now I'm for because they didn't just do the thing right away of like... Like for... Because here's the thing. If you're going to do the, the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, that I think you should have had like the four... The wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. You've never ma'am. heard of that? Never? No people say that. Come on. Someone else has heard wham, bam, thank <laughs> you. In your daily life, did 1989. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I got 2016. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think before I was against it because it was like she was getting out of something. It wasn't the right timing. But I've grown to like the characters, as you said. And I think the the whole situation of him standing up for her and I mm-hmm. very classy and so I approve I, I am happy with that oh alright people on the live chat there you go Best people on the live chat for or against that's Michael Klaus's seal of approval and did you want the what, what is it wham bam the thank truth, you ma'am the truth is not a fan the truth has spoken and he says I don't like Aaron and Emily together it seems forced I mean yeah we haven't seen en- well, I don't think we've seen enough like tension between them like, there have been times like yeah, he remembered her coffee order, but like, like a lot of people remember my coffee order. What is it? What's your coffee order? What's your go-to? 
I get a venti iced hazelnut coffee oh with goodness. extra brave. Look at that accent. With extra just... what? Extra brave. It's what is that? Half and half. Brave. Why don't you just say half and half? Because at Starbucks they write the B, so I make it easier for them. Shout out to my people at Starbucks. I love them. Yes, shout out to us at Starbucks. Brave. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. It's the best. Is Try it. it. Ivan is four, though. Ivan is four. Um, and Ariadne says that she's 24 and has heard of that saying long ago. Thank you, Ariadne. Well done. You're my new favorite. You only oh, like them because you. they like mega stuffed Oreos. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. By the way, um, regular Oreos or double stuffed or mega stuffed? Well, I don't think I've ever seen a mega stuffed. Good. Um, <laughs> You're not missing out. <laughs> it seems intense. I think... I- <laughs> But I think I'm a classic Oreo guy. Yeah. Yes! Dog! Yes! I want to take Michael C on this show. <laughs> oh. Boot. You're done. Bye. Somehow this discussion came up and put out a Twitter poll. I lost. I won. Yeah. So, Michael. And then I subsequently OG came Oreos. in with a pack of mega stuffed Oreos and put five of them together. <laughs> so it was just cookie, cookie, like an inch and a half of cream. We don't need to relive this moment. Yeah. Oh, it was so uh, good. Christine's face was my favorite. <laughs> Please, everyone listening or watching, go back and watch Christine's reaction to Michael eating those. Those are my favorite. As we're looking back Pure at the past, horror. why don't we uh, turn to Nick and his past. Uh, Nick, you grew up in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you start? Uh, when did you start acting? Was it in El Paso or did you go elsewhere? No, yeah, I was in El Paso. I started acting in, uh, in high school and just fell in love with it. Uh, and then when I found out that you could actually have a career as an actor and <laughs> go to college for acting, uh, I was sold. And where did you go to school? Uh, University of Southern California. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. So now, El Paso, we were talking a little bit before the show. You're just kind of saying it's a very small, kind of quiet uh, town. Not much there. Well, I mean, yes and no. It feels like a small town, but it's actually... It's big with a small town feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, it's about a million people now, I think. Especially when you add it, Sister City Juarez, it's pushing two million probably at this point. Um, but it's uh, it's like segregated and not segregated, but it's you, know, you got the West Side, the East Side, and, e- and North and Central, and each one of those feels like a small town. So it's like four small towns within a, a large town. Anyways, feels very homey. It's very nice. So when you start acting there in El Paso, did you kind of have an idea of like I know exactly what I want to do? I want to go to USC, or is El Paso such a place where you're like I don't know, where do I go? What's my next step out of here to continue pursuing this? Well, I mean, I had no idea as an 18-year-old kid what you do, where you go for for acting or whatnot. So I did my research, and I'm more of a theater person, and I wanted to do theater, so I was all about the East Coast. And uh, and then I got this booklet in the mail from USC. I didn't, you know, that's how unaware I was. I didn't even know about USC. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like an amazing school. (laughs) It's got a, you know, big history, but I didn't even know who it was, and I or what who they were, and I looked them up, and and they had a program like I was looking for, and they were auditioning in Chicago, where all these other schools were auditioning, where I was going to. So I thought, I'll go, yeah, I'll audition for them too. Add them to the list. Yeah, why not? And I auditioned, and uh, I got accepted, and I thought, well, maybe I should go and visit. <laughs> uh, so I came and visited, and it came down to USC or Emerson in Boston, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I just I just was sold on the, the weather. And- <laughs> <laughs> they, no arguments yeah, there. Good, yes. good weather. <laughs> and, and I got here, and I and and I was still a theater kid, and. You know, everybody out here wants to do film and television, and I almost left for a while. I almost went to a different school, and then, but then I started to become sold on film and television. Um, 
And now I do both. Uh, fortunately, I get to keep theater in my life. Nice. In Los Angeles. Because yeah. certainly when you think about like here or New York, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize just there is a, a big theater community here in Los Angeles, but it doesn't get the attention that it does in New York. Yeah. It's actually, the, there's more theaters in Los Angeles than I think any other city in the world. They just happen to be small, mm-hmm. you know, theaters that maybe don't have as high quality of productions as you're going to get in New York or, or Chicago or some of these other places. But yes, there are, there's a ton of theater here. Uh, but it's difficult. It can be real hit or miss, you know, when you go out there. But the big theaters uh, are all fantastic. Uh, I have my own theater company, and we do our own work, and uh, uh, it's very fulfilling. Um, and so I do theater on a regular basis. What type of projects do you like to work on? For theater? For theater. Well, what I, I actually do something that's really unique. Um, I'm part of a company. We do uh, completely improvised plays. So we do a full-length play that's 100% improvised in in different styles. Uh, So we'll do things like Tennessee Williams or Mm -hmm. Shakespeare or um, uh, um, Chekhov, uh, Dickens, uh, Jane Austen's one of our big ones. Uh, Last night I did Twilight Zone was a genre we did. Um, So, yeah, so we do a lot of different genres. And we have a a show next week. do a little, little plug here. Yeah, do it. For, yeah, uh, for any L.A. people yeah. who want to go see, uh, this uh, uh, This is in the style of a, a 1960s uh, television Christmas special, a la Andy <laughs> Williams or Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done at the, we're going to do it at the Broad Theater in Santa Monica nice. uh, next uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Or is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I don't know. I think it's Thursday. <laughs> should know this. I think it's it's my... at least Friday, Saturday. Yes, it's at least Friday, Saturday. At the Broad, if you've never been to the Broad Theater, it's a 500-seat theater. It's gorgeous. Um, and and it's it's a really fun show. A lot of improvised songs and improvised dances. Um, <laughs> and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Christmas holiday cheer. So. <laughs> now, how long have you been working on that before you decided, like, all right, we're ready to put it up and have an audience watch? Well, we we came up with a concept earlier this year when the Broad asked us to do a a Christmas or holiday show, I should say. Um, But uh, so we kind of had the concept, but we've been molding it for about three months now. Um, And we're actually still, we're about a week away, we're still (laughs) fine-tuning. But it's the beauty of improv. Um, At the end of the day, we're just making it up. So, um, you know, if everything's not... You know, if everything's not tied up in a bow, at the end of the day, we go, we hit the stage, and we're going to make it up anyway. So, what made you decide you wanted to embrace more of an improvised style of performing as opposed to just uh, just doing plays, traditional plays? Well, I kind of fell into it backward. Um, uh, I did improv in college. I uh, did a lot of. I'm actually I do a ton of comedy, which is kind of ironic for the <laughs> I, most of my television roles are very dramatic and serious. Um, but uh, I did improv and sketch in college, and and. When I got out of school, I wanted to do more improv. Um, and instead of going to like a, a second city, or at the time there was no UCB. Um, or Groundlings. Or Groundlings. Instead of going to those places, uh, the guy, uh, one, of the, one of my teachers of improv, had, was doing a show. It was Improvised Shakespeare. And I went to go see it. And it was a full-length Shakespeare play with 16 actors completely improvising. And I was just blown away. And wow. I was like, it's like, that's what I want to do. Uh, so I started studying and taking classes, and uh, the company reformed in uh, 2006, and they invited me to join. And we created the first uh, uh, fully improvised repertoire theater company. So we've just been 
creating and generating styles over the years and, and developing it. And uh, I have the fortune of working with some of the best improvisers in the world. I 16 think. people improvising. That's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty intense. I mean, a lot of improv, uh, improv shows that I go to, it's like four people, five people, six people. Yeah. 16. 16, yeah. Like, that's a lot of knowing when to talk, knowing, you know, what your character is and how it incorporates into the broad picture. Yep. Yeah. The energy must be crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intense. Now, just I will say most of our shows, we do do a cast of, like, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare we do a full full show of 16, but next week it will be a full 16 cast. Wow. So that's excited. awesome. Uh, and we just did a show at the Ford, uh, a full 16-person cast, the Ford Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a noir um, with a full jazz band, uh, and it was it was pretty amazing. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I, I love theater and I loved improv, and there they were, and, and it just and, I, and it was just like a gift. Um, and I call it the best theater gig in town because I can do theater all the time, but I don't have to be slave to rehearsals and show times. When you do theater, your life is theater yes. for the run That's of it. It's a dedication. You have to show yeah. up. But in improv, it's like it's like sports. Next man up. If you can't show up, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's improv. Somebody else can do it. So we all get to put our TV and film careers first uh, if they come up, and still have to do theater all the time. Yeah, very nice. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so now your family's uh, left El Paso. They're up in uh, the Michigan Ohio area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good right. area. Yeah, Michigan. We got a viewer. Right, right outside Detroit right now. Uh, yeah, that's where I was born. So now, were you a big uh, Trojans fan or no? We're like, nah, I got to stay like Ohio State. I got to stay with Michigan. Or UT well, you see, grow, or growing up, like, or... Growing up, I was a, a Michigan fan. I was a blue fan. Uh, but my dad's an Ohio State guy. Ooh. Um, so that was, that was heavy. <laughs> um, I didn't really know about the Trojans, but now I'm a Trojan. Now I, and I realized, oh, that the history between Ohio State and USC is really big. I'm no longer a Michigan fan. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like John Harbaugh. Um, but that goes back to my Pete Carroll days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, but then all my brothers went to UT Austin, um, and I don't know if you've paid attention, but over the past decade or so, those Ohio State, UT Austin, and USC have had some really mm-hmm. amazing games. Is this a bad t- time for me to mention that I'm a Wisconsin Badger? No, considering no, the USC Badger game last year. Go Badgers! Oh, did we lose to you last yeah, year? Yeah, you lost. Yeah. But well, we, it's all right. It wasn't that big of a bowl game. Okay. I, I don't, I'm a kind of... Both fair... teams are doing well this year, and you're not play, we're not playing one another in postseason. Yeah, so. I'm, a, I'm a fair-weather Trojan fan. Really. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I stopped watching after Pete Carroll left, uh, and we went, <laughs> we went into suspension. Yeah. So are you a Seahawks fan then, and you follow Carroll? Oh, I love I love, I love Because he's Pete. killing it up yeah. there. Uh, but now USC's doing good again. Mm-hmm. And I w- I've started watching. They're number nine. <laughs> number nine in the country. I forget what bowl game they're playing in, but it's a big one. Yeah, it, uh, nine. It's great. I mean, after starting off, uh, uh, yeah, like one and three. Yeah, um, it's a shame because I actually think we're now good enough to play some of these mm-hmm. better teams. And so you didn't embrace that Lane Kiffin era. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, think, I don't think anybody embraced that era. Really thinking. <laughs> you know, one of the things my dad said to me when I was trying to decide between Emerson and USC, he, he sat me down and he said, you know, it's your choice, Nick, but uh, USC has a football team and that's something you can take with you the rest of your life. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Glad you got your priorities. That's, that's funny. So, uh, Nick, if they want to follow your uh, what you're doing, what you have going on, what's the best place for them to find you in the internet? Well, I guess probably just you could my name on Facebook. You know, I, I don't post a lot other than what I'm up to. 
so if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, uh, Facebook's a good place. Or Instagram. Uh, I don't post as often as I should, but I will try to do more. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, uh, Masu, but I instead of M-A-S-S-O-U-H, I spell it M-A-S-S-I-O-U-X, like the Sioux Indians. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I believe the Native Americans speak deeply within my mm-hmm. heart. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully it's not cultural appropriation and no one gets mad at me for it, but, uh, uh, but I, but I believe in the spirituality of, of, uh, our wonderful native peoples. Well, who knew that Majid Nassar would be such a quality, classy guy? That's right. Who cares about the earth and cares about the world? I I never would have known that. Who knows? (laughs) Here I am blowing up (laughs) Capitol buildings. Uh, But no, I care about people. Look at Whoa. that. A soft, tender side to Majid yeah. Nazar. Yeah. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, let's give it up one more time for Nick Masu for joining us today. Hey. Yes. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Designated... Oh, thanks, James, in the booth for that extra Very applause. nice, James. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Designated Survivor After Show. But we'll be back next week with the winner finale, guys. Woo. The winner finale. Who knows Woo. where we're going to get uh, revelations will happen. How, how much in the know Tom Kirkman will get. We'll find out next week. But if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks so much, everybody, for hopping in the chat, sharing your thoughts about the show. And if you want to continue with us uh, even after the show's over... Renee, where can they find you? Hey, guys. You can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Renee Ariel. And check out my blog, CatsLipstickLA.com, and read How to Get Over Someone in 15 Easy Steps. I'm just going to make a joke about that, but I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Maybe I'll tweet out something later. If you want, you can follow that on Twitter, at TV, on Instagram, at TheOnlyMC. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ChristineBeam. And you can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week for the winter finale of Designated Survivor right here on AfterBuzz TV. Adios. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.